0: beautiful people, I'm Heat, host of Ordinary Chaos, where we explore the interesting side of ordinary. We often see famous people as interesting and not famous people as not interesting, but the truth is, we're all interesting if you ask the right questions. Today's guest is an artist, a not famous artist, talking about their process and their work. I thought they were fascinating, and I was sad the conversation ended so quickly. Now it's your turn to enjoy it. here today with Sydney Doberstein. Sydney is a voiceover actor. I'm very excited that she's here. Tell us about voiceover work, Sydney. Thanks, Heat. Uh, It's wonderful to be here. I'm super, super excited
1: for you and super honored to be able to speak about voiceover acting. Um, A little bit about how I got into voiceover acting. I still think of myself as a beginner in many ways. So like take everything with grain of salt. Uh, And if anybody that wants to get into voiceover acting is listening, you know, I'm only one person that's doing voiceover. So it's good to look at other people's experiences as well. And yeah, just don't take it to heart if it doesn't resonate with you. Uh, But for myself, I got into it seriously a couple of years ago when my acting agent sent me a voiceover audition for Similac, the baby formula company. And I didn't have any of the equipment or the gear. So I literally sat. Um, oh, this was also like a rush job too. So I had to get it done pretty fast. So I sat in my closet underneath the blanket. Yeah, underneath the blanket on the, on the floor, cold. I remember specifically that it was chilly. And I had my computer with the script in front of me. And I just recorded it like that and played it back. Thought it sounded pretty good. Taught myself quickly how to edit in GarageBand. And submitted it. Well, it's been yeah two and a half years, and I'm still working for Similac because of that job, which is really incredible. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I'm so so grateful to have had that, and it's been a very positive experience. It's been super professional. Really good at just kind of getting my foot in the door, and the the clients are amazing. They really like me. I really like working with them. It's It's fun. And it's really challenging because sometimes the text is, there's like a lot of script in um, a very short amount of time that I have to kind of rapidly fire off. So that's the simulac gig, which has been amazing. I started off singing though. That was kind of the first thing before I even became an actor. So I've always been using my voice, classically trained, uh, and then got into acting and then realized, oh, I could do this as a living. I can do acting, I could also do singing and if I want to dance, yeah, sure. Musical theater, (laughs) I can do it all. (laughs) (laughs) The the whole voiceover career has really only been the last few years. And so now I'm on a a freelancing role where I'm finding my own auditions and I'm submitting to them and working with clients just like personally without my agent, which has been really great. But it's cool. Now that I'm looking into voiceover as a career. I would always just think it's just like TV commercials or radio, but it goes so much further than that. There's explainer videos, there's animation. So cartoons and that kind of thing, which has been a focus of mine this past year during the pandemic. And there's also like telephone recordings, answering machine recordings, which I was like, I could do that. No problem. Also, one of the strangest first auditions that I did as a freelancer was to be the voice of a stuffed animal. Like if you squeezed a plush animal, it would, it would say like, I love you or something like that. (laughs) I didn't book it, but it was such a fun, it was such a fun audition and it was for the company Gund. Yeah. Sure. So yeah, that's just a little bit about
0: what it's been like so far over the last two years. So many voice places that I would have never even thought about.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. Animal voices. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you forget that, you know, every time you hit a button, like an electronic button, something speaks to you. So Some, that's somebody's voice usually or Siri. I've done robot voices or like AI voices as well. And that's on my demo reel too. I can do, I could do this. No problem.
0: So wild. Mm -hmm. Like, no, I have never thought about Siri actually originating from a human, Mm -hmm. but of course it did. (laughs) How is that different than regular acting?
1: So, my first initial thoughts when you asked me that would be there is no difference. You are still acting, you are still performing. The preparation is different. That's what I notice. And the actual performance of the text so for myself in preparation of let's say a film scene or like a like stage scene or something like that it takes so there's way more embodiment involved also a lot more written work because you have to be memorized most most of the time when you're performing live with voiceover work they're constantly changing the copy on you so the copy meaning the script and often a client will send me, even while I'm recording the current copy, they will send me an updated version because they want me to get rid of a, a sentence or a word or a breath. So I'll have to be constantly <laughs> adapting as I go. So the memorization part, that's the that's the first thing that's different. Most of the time you don't have to be memorized. There's way more focus on your breath and your articulators and like the warm-up that goes on inside your mouth my warm-ups are different I will say that and I also use a lot of the same warm-ups like thinking about such a good question heat thinking about some <laughs> of the warm-ups that I do for voiceover it's the same that I do if I were on stage or doing a film scene you know I do like my full body rolls I do like my tongue twisters that kind of thing and saying the alphabet with my tongue behind my teeth <laughs> <laughs> But yeah it's it is still embodiment even though you're not you're not being shown on camera you can afford to have a, a lot larger of a performance because it doesn't matter what you look like I think that might be one of my favorite things is it's not a it's not about what you look like especially while you're performing. I can show up like this without any makeup on I don't have to do hair and makeup for this which is great. I would be called to set hours before my actual scene record or films, if I was doing this for a a movie or, um, you know, that kind of thing. So the preparation is just the time. It's, it's more efficient as well, but the overall performance of acting, there's, there's not much of a difference. You just have to know the style. You have to know the network, who your client is, like who the audience is all those same questions as if you were doing this for like a film audition. I always say I'm a professional auditioner. Because I audition like <laughs> 99% of the time, and then 1% is the actual booking and the actual recording of the job. So I'm a, I'm a good auditioner. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've heard that about stage performance, so it's not surprising. If you could magically just have it all set up the way that you want it to be, what would that look like?
1: Hmm. If I could have it magically set up the way I want it to be. Oh my goodness. Does that refer to my career? Does that refer to my recording space? Does that refer to the structure in my day? It could be anything.
0: Sure. (laughs) Whichever of those you want to answer, all of them.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So recording space, if I could have it the way that I dreamed of, it would be a sealed off recording space. So right now, everybody can't see because it's just my voice, but I was telling and showing heat. I have a shower rod across my little flex space room and I've got a duvet hanging over it, clipped to it to keep the sound in. I've got some wall treatment, which is like foam on the wall and on the ceiling. And then I've got pillows for my bed on the floor. I've got A fuzzy blanket on the desk so that there isn't any echo coming from the desk. And it's not a whole lot of space, (laughs) considering to move around. If I needed to do an animated character, I would need to take up some more space with my body. So that's the first thing that I would adjust. I would have a sealed off space that I could physically stretch my arms out in and like do a sun salutation in, like that much space. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I would be more comfortable in that what else would I change? I would also update my recording equipment. So right now I've got a Rode NT USB mic and it's great. It's really good for starting out and it's helped me book many gigs and it's really easy because it's super portable. I have it on a stand right now, but it comes with like a little tabletop stand. It's really good for podcasting. So I would update it to something that maybe had an interface connection rather than just a USB. I don't know what you're using heat, but I'd be curious to know if you like it.
0: I have a blue snowball. Okay, is that the yeti? It's the little brother to the yeti. Okay. And do you like it? It's just a snowball, not a whole yeti. <laughs> <laughs> I do like it. It's it's very sensitive. Hmm. And so, like when the Chihuahua alarms go off, <laughs> even if they're in the backyard, there's sometimes issues like if the air conditioner is running, or I'm just remembering that there's still a clock that ticks in this room and that might be audible. <laughs> Those kinds of things, which is annoying. But everything that I've recorded and produced and put out into the world has been on this mic. So, and it sounds really yeah. professional.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's a good mic I like it Mm -hmm. yeah so that's like recording space and equipment talk but I think dreaming bigger here with voiceover acting I would love to be a series regular on a cartoon I would love to do like an animated character role where it was years of my life working on a character and I had a cast that I was in I, I dream about this and it's not so much relevant because of COVID right now. But back in the day, two years ago, many many actors (laughs) would be brought into the same recording studio and they'd all be in a circle acting together with a microphone in front of them. So you see that in like The Lion King and all those animated Disney movies where there's larger casts and they can play off of each other and you get a lot of really organic moments from that kind of experience. So I would love to be a part of that in some way. Uh, love, I think something that I hope and will be able to do at some point in my life is be the voice of a, an animated character that my kids will one day watch, or my nieces and nephews will watch. And then I could do the voice for them in person. And it's like, Oh my God, you're the coolest auntie ever. (laughs) (laughs) I dream about that a lot and I know it'll happen. So it's just a matter of time. Or maybe I'll create and write my own thing. That's another opportunity, too. And then you can just cast yourself and choose yourself for that, for that
0: role. That would be cool. Mm-hmm. So how has COVID affected your work? COVID's definitely
1: helped me lean into voiceover acting. So that's been the gift of all this is that, you know, I've, I've been at home for two years, essentially, All of our auditions are done online now. Everything's done at home. So I've had to invest in my own equipment and I've been interested in it and I've been realizing that it is possible and I enjoy it. So it helped me lean into it. Whereas I don't know if I would have bought a microphone this quick. I probably would have waited till I booked something again or booked something bigger and that could have been five years from now. So COVID definitely. It helped me pivot and realizing, and it gave me permission to realize that I could, I could do this full time, which is pretty incredible.
0: That's excellent. I know. <laughs> so cool. And it's so exciting. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like to have this thing that just gives you a kick in the butt. Here you go. People are relying on me. They need,
1: they need me to turn around a gig within 24 hours, sometimes at different time zones. Like there's so many parameters that are outside of the creative lens that I would have said I was not equipped to handle even the editing side and the technical side of this. It's a learning curve. Yes. And I definitely think I'm at the point where I need to upgrade from GarageBand 2009, (laughs) 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 but it it works. You don't have to use the, the top editing software. You don't have to have the best mic, especially when you're starting out. And I'm realizing now, like, I'm at that point where I am ready to take the next step, the next level up, that kind of thing. It's just sussing out what's going to be the most (laughs) Sydney-friendly. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. What do you use for
0: editing software? I started on GarageBand Mm -hmm. and I bought Logic. Mm. There were just a couple features that Logic had that GarageBand didn't that make my life significantly happier. Oh, so okay. Like most of the features in Logic, I don't know how to use because I don't use them, right? Because all I edit is podcasts. Hmm, That was good investment. That's really good to hear. My husband has Logic Pro
1: and he uses it for electronic music. So that would be an easy next step, I think, going towards that one.
0: That's excellent. When you book a gig... Is there like an industry standard for how much you get paid?
1: That's a really good question and I'm still trying to figure it out myself. So, honestly, okay. the freelancing workshop that I took helped with that and just trying to find better clients. This platform that I'm on called voices.com, it's set up for freelancers, for freelance voiceover artists, singers, jingle writers, that kind of thing, anybody that uses their voice. And it's great because clients and people who have projects that need voices go onto this site and they can launch their project they can put the budget so it's sometimes like on the lower end 100 to 250 usd and they give you a range like something that's 10 seconds to two minutes is usually rated in that amount which for me that rate is quite low especially if they want like three or four rounds of revisions. That's quite a bit of work and that takes quite a bit of time. And sometimes they want directed sessions as well. So that means that the client will want to be on a Zoom call with you or Source Connect, which means they're plugged in to your actual program to hear exactly what you're recording. And they could give you feedback live like that. So it it really just depends on what you want as an artist. And you get to pick and choose on this site, which is great. I'll see someone like that, if, especially if it's like five minutes long, $100. I'm like, nah, I don't need that today. I'm good. I'll, go- <laughs>
0: I'll look at the ones
1: that are 30 seconds. Like, this is what I've kind of nailed down as my go to 30 seconds long or less, $500 usually. Like, that's kind of what is common for me. And that's USD, which is great. And the platform takes 20% of that. So that's another thing too, is, you know, you're paying the platform 20% of your earnings, but with the exchange rate, cause I'm in Canada, it kind of evens out. So I'll end up making about $500 and then with taxes and stuff that gets taken off. But right. yeah, it's, it's pretty good, especially because it's in my own, it's in my control. I get to decide when I'm working, what project I want to submit for, And I don't have to say yes if they pick me. So we can kind of negotiate, which is really lovely. If someone says, this actually just happened. I booked a gig that was supposed to be 30 seconds long. Um, It was $250. And I, I liked the script. I can read the script ahead of time and know what I'm getting into before I actually record and submit my audition. So with this gig, they said they want to hire me. (laughs) the actual gig has quadrupled in size. So now there's five scripts and they want to, yeah, they want to adjust the budget. So that kind of thing can happen as well. Like you get hired for a small portion and then the client likes you so much that they want to bring you back for multiple different gigs, which is the goal. I mean, ideally I would, I would like to be brought back because they like my voice, which is wonderful. Or they like working with me. Right. Mm -hmm.
0: That'll make sense. Of course, you want to get rehired by the same people. Totally. Unless they're not good people to work for, in which case,
1: yeah, not so
0: much. And I mean, I'm someone who really likes clear communication and clear
1: direction on what you what you would like from me as the artist. If I don't hear from you in a couple of days, that's not great because I'm ready to record. I'm ready to give you another take. And like, I got other stuff to do, so I'm ready to go now. But everybody's on their own schedule and I know life's crazy, but that's kind of the frustration sometimes is that you can't control what the deadline is on their end. And sometimes it gets pushed and they don't communicate that to you. So now you're still working on the gig three weeks later and they're giving you notes and you got to go back and remember, oh yeah, I took a breath there or... Right, I said that word with a Canadian accent. Dang, (laughs) (laughs) I gotta go back. (laughs) So I'm constantly listening for that and training my ear, especially when I talk with my American friends. Oh yeah, they said "out" instead of "oot" or (laughs) "oat." Right, strange. That's the
0: stereotype. What's the typical timeline, if there's a such thing as typical?
1: Typical timeline on, I'm speaking just with the experience from Voices.com, just because that's what's in my world right now. Mm -hmm. So usually the turnaround time is about a week to two weeks. So it'll it'll have that all listed out for you. So I'll see a submission or an audition notice. It'll be like 7 a.m. Sometimes it'll get launched within 10 minutes. I already see 15 people have submitted to it. So I know I got to get on it fast because it's one that's going to pay a lot. It's a short script and it's for like Purdy's chocolate or Baskin Robbins, something that I would love my name to be attached to or my voice to be attached (laughs) to. So suddenly that shoots to the top of the priority list for my day and the turnaround time for something like that could be a week. But I know that if I leave it a day, a hundred people will have submitted by the end of the day for sure. So. I will try and get that in my audition recorded and prepped and sent off and edited within usually an hour to two hours when I see that come in. But I see them also where it's rush job must be completed by end of today and it'll be the actual audition will only be up for like 20 minutes and then they'll have selected someone and closed the job and be working on it already. So when I see those wow. come in, yeah, it's exciting. And you're like, wow, okay, <laughs> I want to be attached to this. I'm going to do this one right away. But that sense of urgency isn't always helpful because sometimes you got other stuff to do. So to answer your question, <laughs> it, <kind> of, <laughs> it really varies. Moving off of the platform, when I book a gig through my agent or something that's larger scale, it'll usually be like a month's turnaround time. So I go into the recording studio within like a week or two of booking the gig and then they master it, edit it. I'm probably not going to get paid or see the final product for like a month to two months or for one of the gigs that I'm doing right now, it's seven months, which is not common. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But that happens. The voiceover artists or yeah, sometimes the artist is not like at the top of the, the list of things that need to get done, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which sucks sometimes as the artist. Like, hey, I got bills to pay. But um, it's good to know that that is out of your control sometimes. And that's why you have an agent.
0: Well, well, and good to know that ahead of time. Because mm-hmm. in seven months, you'll still have bills to pay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't know this ahead of
1: time. It's just kind of... Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, you have to be really organized. So keeping a tracking list of the things that when you auditioned, when the deadline is, when you're supposed to be paid, following up because you have to self-advocate, especially if you don't have a manager. And then, yeah, making sure that you follow up and get that payment.
0: It's wild. Mm -hmm. Right? I imagine it's similar to any type of artistic freelance work in that respect mm-hmm. that would be similar
1: which is new for me so I'm I'm thinking is this always how it is for other people like how do they make sure they get paid
0: right yeah. and so then you just ask people like do you have mentor people or well the thing about voices.com is they
1: it's set up in a in a safe way so that before the client can book you they have to release the the funds into the platform. So then it gets held in this thing called Surepay and voices.com holds on to it until you finish the job and then they release it to PayPal. Nice. So that is good. Having that middleman there, that's worth the 20%.
0: So you don't have to chase yes. those payments. <laughs> yes, for sure. So that's the same function-ish as an agent not necessarily.
1: No, okay. I would say with voices.com I'm paying for the accessibility to the clients and the the large amount of auditions that I have at any given time. They don't manage the client, they don't manage scheduling or that kind of thing or any sort of correspondence with the client. So that's your relationship which is great and also a learning curve for me because normally my agent would send 20 emails back and forth. right? And now I, especially today, had three clients that I was dealing with, all different time zones, all different projects with similar deadlines. And I was getting my messages (laughs) mixed up and thinking, okay, you got to stay focused. You got to keep your tabs open. It's okay. Things are changing and you're adaptable.
0: It's a good mantra. Yeah.
1: (laughs) With deep cleansing breaths. (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah
0: that's another voiceover
1: gig too all the meditation apps and all the meditation like voices
0: (laughs) Uh, oh yeah Yeah. crazy all the things Mm -hmm. i've never thought about yeah me too of all the things that you've done the voiceovers that you've done do you have a favorite my favorite
1: so far are definitely the ones where I'm speaking to an audience that I am really passionate about. So like the young moms or, you know, even the hospital ads, the things that are sentimental and really grounded and truthful. Those are what's closest to my natural voice. And I found that I have a a bit of a, like, that's kind of my, my thing. I'm realizing, Oh, that's my brand of my voice, I guess it's been really fun to be able to make a difference with my voice in that aspect. I think for fun though, and like thrill, sometimes it's not always fun talking about really sad hospital things. So, (laughs) so I, I really enjoy like the auditions that I've been able to do for animation. I haven't had any bookings for animation yet, but I know that those are larger than life. And that's where the, the real acting chops come in or the different parts of my persona or the different voices that I've been training in that I haven't, haven't gotten to use yet. That's where they get to come out, which is really fun. I love that because you just get to play once you practice enough and you train enough. Like that's the other thing to say is that, you know, I've been acting my entire life. I've been training my entire life. So to focus in on voice acting, like you're not starting from scratch I'm not a beginner even though I feel like it sometimes I've been doing this for
0: so long and it's still performance right it's so fun I imagine that cartoons would just be a hoot Mm -hmm.
1: you do have to be very very cautious of vocal fry unless it's part of the character vocal fry is like that all i i don't even like demonstrating it because it just feels awful on your voice but like where you talk kind of like this like really uh, sounds awful but it's very common now especially with young females (laughs) you have to be really careful with animation just vocal fatigue is something that that comes up for me even with auditioning because it does take so much more energy and Sometimes it is larger than life and you don't necessarily do a squeaky voice like this all the time. So you're having to really <laughs> work. It's a big workout and you gotta make sure that those vocal cords have been warmed up properly. Otherwise, you know, you're drinking like three things of tea the next day and you're you're on vocal rest. It's an endurance game
0: sometimes. Does that affect how much you talk to people outside of work? Like, you're like, no, what you know what, text me. And that's a thing anyway. But you're like, nope, this is legit. I'm not talking. I'm learning sign language. (laughs) I haven't experienced that yet, but I know that I,
1: I know that I'm consciously aware of not going out to places that are loud because I am someone that, you know, even projecting my voice, I will feel tired in my voice the next day. And, and it's from having to constantly be like, Hey, how's it going? oh yeah, it's okay. So like that kind of thing. Right. It's just, yeah, it's just unpleasant for me, especially when now, like I have to protect that part of my body and getting right. sick is not an option. That's the other thing too, where, you know, if I get sick or my husband comes home with a cold, oh, suddenly that's very threatening.
0: <laughs> I might be out of work for a week or two. Because People who work in an office building can go to work with their voice two octaves lower, but you cannot. And if I'm trying
1: to push through and still audition like that, they might like my voice very raspy and that's not my natural voice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I can't reproduce that. Yeah. Oh God. I guess I'm going to have to get sick again. (laughs) (laughs) So in all of this, I mean, there's so many layers. What's your biggest frustration?
1: One of my biggest frustrations is the tongue clicks and the saliva sounds. Oh, they just (laughs) irk me. And so now, because I'm constantly listening for that in everything that I do, you know, I've got my apple on standby constantly. I've got my apple juice. I've got my tea. I've got my water. Because depending on what I've had to eat that day, my tongue and my saliva will be a different consistency. (laughs) So the the (laughs) breaths, the tongue clicks, and that lovely saliva sound while I'm editing, man, that is my worst enemy sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) And depending on what the pace of the actual spot is or the the ad, sometimes it's so fast that I don't have a, a natural spot where I could take a breath and they need it to flow a certain way. So I don't have like even a, a moment where a thought could come in to take just even a little sip of air. That's where it gets frustrating. It's like, you guys don't realize what it's like to be alive. You have to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it feels unrealistic. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know how to tell you that I'm not going to be able to produce what you want. I, will, I literally said that today. Ooh, that was uh, pretty much the fastest that I could go. Um, I can try again. I might have to get rid of the last word. (laughs) That's okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And they were okay with it, (laughs) which is great. (laughs) Well, somebody has to read the end of the medication ads. That is another one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those people,
1: man, I have such respect for them. I guarantee they've had to do multiple takes of it, but yeah, you have to just take such a good deep breath. Be so calm while you say it. Yeah. And it's so controlled. It's impressive. So very fast. Mm-hmm. Part of me wonders <laughs> if, you know, on some of those, they might hit like double speed or like speed one and a half or something like that.
0: Like I'm going to beat this a little slow and in a deeper voice. So when we speed it up, I don't sound like a chipmunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't tried that yet. I definitely have
1: done a couple auditions where I've had to list off the disclaimer at the end. And I didn't book them. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how it went. <laughs> Not that that's a measurement of how what what your success or skill set is. But it is interesting just to, to play back and listen to all the different types of auditions or, or things that you could voice and just hear, okay, maybe that's something I need to work more at. Audiobooks is another thing that I have had a lot of challenge with. So that's somewhere where I would definitely want more training.
0: What is challenging about audiobooks?
1: Reading. <laughs> <laughs> I can fully just <laughs> transparently say I'm not the most confident reader, and especially when it comes to cold reading. So if you're doing a a story or a script that's three thousand words long, that's not even that long compared to some of them. Sometimes they're like six hours, right, an audiobook. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to be able to read that through three times. I know I know a, vo- a an audiobook artist who that's all she does. She is so talented and she takes it so seriously. And it's incredible the work that she does. She will read it through once without recording, and then she will record. And she's recording for hours at a time, which that's an endurance game. That is a whole different skill set. I feel like. Yes. Mm -hmm. So all those wonderful (laughs) saliva sounds or peas or (laughs) all those lip smacks, Yeah, you gotta really hone in on that skill set when you're doing audiobooks. So huge respect for those artists. It's incredible work.
0: I imagine that it would be difficult not to have your voice be tired doing that work. Yeah, and
1: especially when there's different characters too.
0: Like I had a friend that did romance
1: novels for a while. (laughs) Let me just say, those storylines are actually so erotic and amazing. It was so cool to hear about just the different voices she had to do or the exclamations that she had to make. It was crazy. <laughs> I had never thought about that. No, neither had I. So that's a whole that's a whole other
0: avenue of
1: <gasps> audiobooks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wish people knew or understood about this kind of work
1: for myself, I knew going in that it would take time, and I made myself a promise that I would do a hundred auditions in a hundred days. That was just my little hundred day challenge with no expectations of bookings. and it took me a hundred days before I landed a gig on day one hundred, I landed a gig, my first gig as a freelancer. so 100 auditions is a lot. Now I do seven auditions a day minimum. So you build up skill set. It takes time and it's not a sprint, it is a marathon. And people use that reference in so many different ways. It really does apply to this industry, especially as a film, TV, and theater actor. I know that that industry is going to be that way. And it's taking that time and choosing yourself and honing in on your craft. And still finding the joy in it, even when maybe you're not making money or you're not working on things that fill you with passion or (laughs) excitement. It's finding the things that still bring joy to the craft and to the work that you have chosen to do. Because nobody's forcing you to do this. I mean, maybe they are. I can only speak for myself. Once it becomes, what am I trying to say? It feels like work at times and that's okay because it is. And I think that was part of the identity around all this. For myself, that was a big hurdle. You can make this a full-time job and you can make this a career, even though it's not a very traditional path forward, it's freelancing. And that was something that took me a little while, even now, to kind of like own for my own identity. Nice. Mm -hmm. But it feels comfortable now. Some days, yeah. I don't feel super comfortable yet. And I think that that's a really good place for me personally to live because I'm not at the, what's the level? I'm not beginner. I'm not intermediate. I'm I'm not expert level yet. So I'm somewhere in between intermediate and beginner when it comes to freelance voiceover work. And it's a good place because I'm on my toes constantly and I'm really uncomfortable at times because I don't know how to do so many things. So I always have to be learning. I always have to look up different technical things, especially with GarageBand. <laughs> but I'm going to be moving <laughs> off of that shortly, I'm sure. So it'll be another learning curve. That, that side of the industry is what makes me most uncomfortable because I have the least amount of experience and that's okay.
0: Cool. Is there anything else that I haven't asked you about that we haven't talked about that you want to throw in here
1: maybe just to touch on the subject of play and the fact that it voice acting especially if you're you know I'm 30 I started this when I was 28 you don't have to be an adult to do this there's so many kids that because they don't have that filter are phenomenal voiceover actors like (laughs) <laughs> Phenomenal. So I look up to a lot of kid voiceover actors and just seeing how they can do what I'm doing and bring just that light to the role. And it's mostly in animation. There are some, yeah, I've definitely heard kid voices for ads and commercials, that kind of thing. But I'm thinking like animation wise, it's really inspiring. Oh, yeah. That's another thing, too. Getting a demo reel, getting a demo reel made for a commercial and then also for animation for voiceover acting is worth the investment because that's the first thing that I showed to you heat that's the first time you heard my voice which is still something that we were talking about yes and your voice doesn't change too much as you age like there's a there's a period in your life where you finished your (laughs) you finished puberty and now your voice is probably especially for females is going to stay the same Maybe until I'm 60 or 70, who knows? I will, I promise you, I will update my demo reel in between there, but it's worth, (laughs) it's worth the investment to get it professionally done and coached and working with a a teacher on it, because that is what you show people when you want to gain their trust or show them what you can do. It's your resume kind of. And it's so cool to listen
0: to. Yeah, it's so fun. (laughs) So if people want to learn more about you, where can they find you? You can check out my website at
1: www.sydneydoberstein.com or you can find me on social media. So I've got Twitter at Sid Doberstein. I've got Instagram at Sidney Doberstein and Facebook. I have a Facebook page, Sidney Doberstein. So just my
0: name. (laughs) And I will put all of those links in the show notes So if you want to be able to just click through, go to ordinarychaospodcast.com and those will be in the show notes for this episode. Thank you so much, Heat. Thank you. This was so fun. It really was. Thanks for listening. Ordinary Chaos is written, produced, edited, and all the things by me, Heat. The music was created by Keith Kelly. You can find show notes and learn more about the podcast, about Keith, or about me at OrdinaryChaosPodcast.com. As always, Ordinary Chaos is an ad-free podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast, go to OrdinaryChaosPodcast.com, scroll down, and click Support the Podcast.